Welcome to the Jesus 360 podcast, a devotional guide to the names and descriptions of Jesus given to us by the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. Brother Daniel and myself, Blair Phillips, will be co-hosting today's discussion on Jesus, the one who dwells within the midst of his bride. So we are Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, which reads, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And so, Brother Daniel, this verse speaks about the Lamb as the temple of the city, which we've spoken about in a podcast. But we also have to recognize that the Lamb is dwelling in the midst of His people. The Jerusalem, and which is also identified as His bride, and the church in, in the city as His bride. And this is something that we know that He has desired from the beginning of age, to dwell with His people in perfect harmony. You know, Blair, uh, for many years I taught a course in Bible school and in mission school on Ecclesia about the church, about the glorious church, about church planting. And oftentimes I find myself delighting to start from Revelation 21, and which is not common because most of the time when you talk about the church or ecclesiology, the study of the church, we don't usually start with uh, the end in mind, but we I felt that this is necessary, that... Anybody who study the church need to have a vision of the New Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And the center of the preciousness of the New Jerusalem is obviously the eternal throne of God and the Lamb. But it's actually in, if, because it's in relation to us. It's about the relationship of the bride and the bridegroom dwelling together forever in the eternal city. Because the throne of God has always existed, when we study the church, it's not studying God alone. It's studying God tabernacling with the redeemed. That's what the church, the covenant people of God, is all about, the the relationship of the covenant people with God. So when we start with the ultimate glory, the climax, the crescendo of glory, and work backward, then we understand what we're labeling for. I think it's just another verse that ties in so well is Revelation 21.3. And again, this is 20... uh, Verse 2 is John seeing the city coming down, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband... Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, so the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. And just saying the same thing over and over. And you hear that same spirit in John chapter 14, 15. He say, If you keep my word, you keep my commandment, I will come and dwell with you. My Father will come and dwell with you. And the desire of God tabernacling with man has been from the beginning with the Garden of Eden, been designed that way where... God will walk among men in the garden and God walk with men in the garden. And then the tabernacle of Moses where man is invited to go into the Holy of Holies through a proper liturgical steps, a Levitical uh, way of worship. And then the temple in Jerusalem and then the Church of Jesus Christ in the New Covenant. You know, God has been designing this New Jerusalem concept for a long time because that's what he longed for. From all eternity, he has been seeing this as the vision. So we need to start from that vision and work backward into now, in the 21st century, what is the church and what's the church doing in the world and what how can the church continue to be uh, an instrument, the body of Christ on the earth, regardless of the variety of strategy, stream, denomination, history. There's so much. 
uh, complexity in the church, but we cannot lose sight of the main purpose and the direction and the destiny of the church. That's why I like to start with Revelation 21 when I, when I study about the church, about Ecclesia. I want to point our audience to one of the sentences that I wrote in uh, page uh, 253, um, well, when the book is finally printed, the page number might be different. It's basically what is written in the devotional. It says here, and um, the Bible has many analogies about uh, the church describing God's uh, relationship with his people. For example, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's temple, the house of prayer for all nations, the church, the body of Christ, the new Jerusalem. Of all these precious analogies, only the analogy between the bridegroom and the bride carry the imagery of an intimate union, of oneness, of co-joining of a matured man and a matured woman in perpetual covenant faithfulness, exclusivity, and intensity of passion. Ultimately, the bride dwells with a bridegroom in a perpetual union in one a uh, gigantic, not house, not mansion, a gigantic city. City. <laughs> and so the New Jerusalem is actually a dwelling place that's prepared for us forever so that we can be with the Lamb and the Lamb of God can be with us. That is our destiny. Mm-hmm. That's what we're made for. Mm-hmm. To be with the Lamb forever. To be loved forever. To love forever. That's why there is a purpose for eternal life. Can you imagine eternal life with no purpose? I've said this many times. Yes. But can even for a moment, we know that someone is so loyal and committed to us in covenantal love that empower our existence in such a way. Can you imagine if that is forever and is ever increasing in understanding and the glory that comes forth from that? You know, sometimes people are so extreme in the way they feel. They say momentary true love is more precious than, you know, living for a long time and not having any experience of that. Uh, those are probably found romantic novel. <laughs> I'm not making that equation between the way God loves us with romantic love. But we're talking about the strengths of covenantal love here. We're talking about the strengths of commitment, the strengths of mutual uh commitment to one another in the way that we know one another. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Mm -hmm. So in other words, God wants that place where the knowledge of God, our knowledge of God increase and is nurtured forever and ever. And then His knowing of us is also increasing, even though He knows us all, all together. It's like sometimes, you know, in a relationship, we know one another, but in our interaction, that, that, that progressive unveiling of knowing is part of a healthy relationship. And we've been made as eternal beings. We have the eternal uh, capacity. capacity and uh, propensity to grow yes. and opportunity to grow. Yes. And he knows that and is all of the sovereignty, but he... Our curiosity need to be fed. And he chooses to engage with it in us, delighting and enjoying us all along, which is the reason why he made us in the garden in Genesis 1. He knows that our curiosity is so big that the entire universe is not big enough. We want to travel faster than the speed of light. We want to go to another galaxy. We want to study the atom. We want to understand the subatomic particle. We want to understand the quantum relationship between 
things that we cannot even see because it's way too small. We can only describe with mathematical model. Give us more time. There is no limit of to our curiosity and fascination. But you know what? Our God is so great and big. We will never that be bored. We will never be bored. Even with the enhanced resurrected body, we will never be bored because we are made to dwell as the bride of Christ in perpetual union with our bridegroom in the new Jerusalem forever. Hallelujah. So how do we pray this in the Jesus 316 prayer model? Because he desired to dwell with us in one place, we too desire to dwell with him in one place. We are made as creatures that have space-time uh, existential realization. So from that appointed time and boundary of a habitation as Acts 17 uh, verse 26 to 31 would say, we want to know Him. We want to express our desire to dwell with Him just as He wants to dwell with us. We want to be where He's at. And in, from that place to grow in the knowledge of God and to live from the knowledge of God, to express that in abundant, fruitful works that's glorious. And, you know, there are dead works and there are glorious works. Dead works are works that are done apart from Christ. They have no eternal purpose and, and meaning. But works that are done by Christ, through us, with Christ, are works that glorify His name, point back to Him. Those are the ones that we want to be the natural outflow of our relationship with Him. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have been so clear from the book of Genesis to Revelation that you want to tabernacle with man. And you started in the Garden of Eden, you ended with the New Jerusalem. You want to live with us forever and ever. You do not want this relationship ever to be disrupted and severe again. So, Father, even today, we ask that we will be sensitive to your presence that we want to carry your presence wherever we go. Lead us, O Lord, each day. Help us hear your voice. Help us discern how to walk with you in a way that we can be your resting place on the earth. And others will see the glory of God and glorify the Father and, and embrace you as their personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you for joining us for this Jesus 360 podcast. And we look forward to you joining us next time as we continue on through the names and descriptions of Jesus in the book of Revelation. You satisfy my soul. You satisfy my soul. You satisfy my soul with your love. You satisfy